Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I thought I held the title. Then it could not be taken from me. The title of the biggest child in the building. I have lost that title this morning. Actual footage, ladies and gentlemen. Actual footage of Ross Brown going down the stairs to make himself a coffee after the show. I'm serious. He's starting to talk about Christmas 93 days out. 93 days out. I can tell you how many days. Uh, Well, good morning to you. It's a beautiful morning out there. Beautiful Thursday morning. Um, we were looking at this video yesterday afternoon from Cathedral Road. Man and a woman recovering in hospital after that shocking collision. 92 and a half. <laughs> 92, sorry. No, a shocking collision yesterday afternoon on uh, Cathedral Road. I saw a couple of videos from a couple of different angles and the only thing I can think it's an absolute miracle that nobody was killed and that nobody uh, was was knocked down. There was a lot of people very, very shocked. This car seemed to, it seemed to go up onto a pavement. You know the way the pavement comes down there at a gateway? It seemed to go up onto the pavement and flip onto its side. It knocked a wall. It's a miracle that there was only uh, two people hurt and they're recovering in hospital and we think they'll be okay, which is which is good to know, but it was a very narrow one, a very frightening experience for people. Up on a road we all know well, a main road of Cathedral Road. So our thoughts are with anyone who got a fright yesterday, and particularly with the two people who are recovering from that. All right, lots to do. Lots to do, so enough yakking, and let's get down to business. See where it looks like, it looks like a, a giveaway budget. Um, that Michael McGrath, the Minister for Public Expenditure, is looking to start spending the taxpayers' money in a number of different directions, like uh, pensions, uh, the old age pension, or the pension may get a 
a boost. We don't know how much. Uh, there could be a boost in the basic payments of social welfare. Again, we don't know how much. Whether or not there will be any tax changes for middle-income earners, that's under discussion, that's what they always say. But, but the big story is that a one-off COVID bonus of tens of millions of euro worth is to be announced for frontline workers. It'll be announced either in or just around the same time as the budget, which is Tuesday, October the 12th. Not entirely sure what form it's going to take. Could take the form of annual leave. The thoughts are there'll be a few days of annual leave given to all those working in the health service frontline. Or there could be a monetary payment. Will it just apply to the health sector? Will it apply to everybody who worked on the front line? I remember one morning here trying to draw up a list of everybody who could be considered a frontline worker. It ran to a page and a half of small writing, I'm telling you now, and I still left people out. So to please everybody, Michael McGrath's got a big job on his hands, but let's go to Michelle Kingston, who's a nurse at CUH and the INMO rep for the emergency nurses at uh, COH. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How is this being... You guys were on the front line right there at the coalface from the very, very start. How is this proposal going down among your members? Well, not very well. Um, And it's not surprising either that something like this has been proposed. Um... But, um, you know, it's just to be interesting to see now what will um, Michael McGrath will come out with. But annual leave is, I mean, we can't even take our annual leave as it is. So, I mean, extra days, that's not what we want. It's, um, you know, but like we want the same as everybody else, really, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, members aren't very happy at all. What would make them happy, Michelle? um, Recognition. Mm -hmm. Recognition, really, you know, like it's 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 back. Like at the moment, it's it is extremely busy um, in the hospital, very very busy. Um, and you know, like if we we're if we were to get hit by another pandemic now, God only knows where we'd get the nurses from. Um, but the you know, it's you know, people aren't happy at all. PJ, you know, they're mm. not happy at all. Yeah. You know. Some form of recognition is more than due uh, to to mm. frontline workers like yourselves. I would have said particularly mm. nurses and doctors. I would have said particularly many other healthcare workers. So, if mm. if if you were to canvas your colleagues, as it were, in the ED, mm. what 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 would 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 do you think they'd ask for? I suppose they'd ask for um, money, a one-off payment, um, which isn't going to be taxed, not you know, not not to be put into our, our normal checks, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but a, a one-off payment, cash bonus, you know, a cash bonus. That would yeah. be that would be that would that be exempt would be, from tax. Absolutely, absolutely, or minimum tax. <laughs> You know, um, because like that, it's, I mean, the work that was done through, like in the last two years really was, is, you know, across the board is phenomenal, you know, um, and people coming in on overtime and, you know, and I'm sure from every sector, people, you know, like 
you know, have worked very, very hard. Like, but you know, a monetary um, bonus would be, you know, especially with Christmas coming up now, you know, as well. That would be a nice little bonus to have, you know. Things are much better in the hospitals now, I suppose, compared to where they were. But take us back. You and I have spoken a couple of times. Mm. Take us back Mm. to a time when you were short of PPE and you were just Mm. trying to mop up and keep ahead of this damn thing. Huge Mm. numbers of very, very sick people. Some people said, I remember talking to someone here on the programme one morning who said that she'd seen one in ten patients die in the space of a couple Mm. of weeks. It must have been a terrifying time. A couple of days off won't make up for that. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. And and people are burnt out too, PJ. You know, people are tired, you know, Um, because it was, like, looking back, I mean, the preparation that we got, fantastic preparation, you know, insofar, like, the training we got, the um, you know, from our, our, our ED, um, doctors and that, you know, we got brilliant training before that. And, you know, and everybody, you know, like, you know, you'd be so proud of everybody and how they, you know, they performed, for want of a better word, you know. Um, and, you know, because it was, you know, look at like when you're when you're in it, you can't see it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just and we're used like we're used to it now, you know, whereas before or like before there was like we have a COVID area now and, you know, and, and things are just different, you know, mm-hmm. like there's no visitors coming in, you know, Um it's just different. It's it's, it's very very different. Has um, it changed forever? Uh, do you think, Michelle? Um, I do. I think it's, it, that has changed. Uh, like I know in our department, um, you know, a lot of work went in for, into the infrastructure um, of the emergency department, and a lot of work went into it, and thought went into it, and you know, things changed, and COVID. Um, like I suppose COVID brought on that change um, mm-hmm. and it, it is I, I would think it's there forever mm-hmm. yeah Do you think definitely. that some of your colleagues particularly the younger ones who've put a couple of years down and as they say haven't kitten or kin to them uh, kitten or child that they will now they worked till the pandemic was over out of a sense of service and a sense of duty mm-hmm. and then they'll be on the first plane out of here well, some of them are already gone. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a. Um, in our department, we've we've a lot of young, you know, nurses, um, and a lot. Yes, um, and there's a few have gone, and there's a few going. Yeah. Already, yeah. So, I suppose the next thing. And what's be the reason for going, Michelle? Is it they get better money elsewhere, better better terms and conditions, more respect? What is it? I don't think it's that PJ. Um, I think it's more kind of a, a kind of life experience mm. more than anything else. I know that if 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 I was twenty five again, I would be gone, and it wouldn't be for the money or respect. Like because we do get respect, and mm. in a, in a, in where we work and all that, you know, so it's nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I suppose life experience. You know, I mean, yeah. I'd go if I was twenty five. Yeah. I'd go. When would anything keep you? Um, family. Yeah. That's the only thing that will keep me. Yeah, yeah. That's the only and thing. in fairness, I have you know, spoken to a number of people who've gone nursing uh, around the world and they will talk about better money and they will talk about better hours and they will talk about life experience. But the one thing they talk about is it's not home. 
No, no, exactly. You know, home is home, <laughs> you know, and like, and especially like, I think in the last two years, you know, especially with COVID, people weren't able to get home, you know, and it kind of, I suppose, it highlighted how much, you know, and how important home is, mm-hmm. you know, to people. You know, and because with nurses, because I suppose like historically, like nurses, when they go away, they go, they go like it's Australia. It's, you know. Like it's kind of a rite of passage when you're a young nurse, isn't it? To be gone for at least a year or two anyway. At least. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the girls I've trained with, they're actually still living in Australia. Mm. They went to Australia and they stayed in Australia. You know, so it's it's um you know, and then it's home on the holidays, like. But it is, it's 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 I suppose, and uh, you know, it's it's a good thing, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, to go for a life experience. You know, it's it's certainly not, it's not, it's not. Well, I know for me, it's not a monetary thing. It'd be mm. more, yeah, you know, life yeah, experience. Just experience. Come, come back to the, yeah. the the news. The newspapers full of it this morning. Front page of the Examiner. I'm personally reading from from the Irish Sun, where they're saying that this one off. COVID bonus will be worth tens of millions that Michael McGrath is looking to secure approval for a plan probably will take the form of annual leave and in some cases a monetary payment. As Minister McGrath, who's a fellow Corkman, possibly even sitting here in Cork mm-hmm. at the moment, doing his sums, what would you say to him? Mm-hmm. Well, it's well. I suppose across the board. I mean, like annual leave, like annual leave to us. It's it's that's not a recognition of thanks. You know, um, it, it, we don't ask for much, really. We and we don't, and and we don't get much. And I do think. I mean, I you know, a, a one-off monetary thank you for everybody across the board. You know, because everybody, you know, I know it's on about nurses and doctors, but there's, you know, there's frontline workers. I mean, I, I go to work in the morning and there's, you know, there's the, the road sweeper and whatever, you know, out and, out and about like. So there's, it's, it's across the board. But, you know, it's 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 just a recognition, you know, and I'm sure Simon Harris, when he was collecting his baby the other day from the hospital, you know, that he was, you know, grateful to the nurses and the doctors, you know, and and that was like during COVID and all that, like especially the maternity, you know, like dads that weren't able to go in and, you know, there was, you know, like it was hit, hit hard, like, so, you know, there's, but like as nurses, you know, we did, you know, we did, we went in every morning, you know, we did our job and, you know, it, and sometimes coming home an hour later, you know, because there was because we had no choice. But it's just a, a small bit of recognition, you know, a clap on a Thursday night, you know, that's for you know that's for everybody, you know. But you know, that's it's a clap isn't enough, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right, Michelle. Listen, from 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 our team to yours, uh, thank you for all that you and your colleagues have done over the last. Uh, very, very long number of months. That's Michelle Kingston, CUH nurse and INMO rep for the ED nurses out at CUH. What she's saying is, a couple of days off, Minister, won't cut it. Aaron says, while I understand, this is from Twitter, uh, the nurses worked really hard. Many other people also did in many industries, not just nurses and doctors who were burnt out. Many also can't take their annual leave in other professions. Making Black Rock, at least that lady gets to keep her job. Tough and all, as I realise it is. 
Many of us are facing a jobless future after the government package comes to an end. Well, yeah. And, and I work for a private cleaning company, says this message, in a hospital. We've worked all the way through. Got two boxes of chocolates at Christmas to share between all of us. We won't see any of this so-called bonus. Don't even mention extra leave. As we're short-staffed, we simply can't even get the holidays we're entitled to. We're all frustrated and tired. 1850-715-996. What do you think? And look, as I said, that list of frontline workers, people who worked on the front line of this pandemic, I ran out of thought and I got into trouble for leaving people off the list. It could start with nurses, doctors, guards, soldiers, firefighters, paramedics. The, the, the list is endless. Po- you know, postal staff, everybody who kept going during the pandemic. What, what would be a way to say thank you to those people? Is there a way that you think we could properly say thank you to those who worked on days when the rest of us were able to stay at home and be safe with our families. The rest of them had to go in and work. They had to work, they had to keep working. Retail, truck drivers, anyone in the supply chains. How would we say thank you to those people? 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welsh, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on a big weekend of Gaelic Games action and reaction to Cove Rambler's clash with Bray and Cork City's visit to Treaty United. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for The Score this Sunday from 2pm with Firebird Heating Solutions. If you're building, think of the Firebird Air Source Heat Pump with underfloor heating and heat recovery. See firebird.ie. Right here, right now. On Cork's 96FM. How would you say thanks to the tens of thousands of people who stayed working while others stayed at home, who went into the most dangerous places when COVID had us ravaged, and I'm just not talking about nurses, doctors, there's cleaners, there's healthcare assistants, there's anybody on the front line, there's retail. When supermarkets stayed open, when they had no choice because we had to have food and we had to have things. So how would you say thank you to all of those who stayed working on the front line? 1850-715-996 or 083-396-9696. Your thoughts would be welcome. Interesting case in the courts uh, this week. Uh, an OAP, an only pensioner, whose bank accounts were used for money laundering after he was sucked into a Facebook friendship with an American woman has avoided jail. This is the story of James O'Rourke from Crosshaven, in County Cork. He's 76 years old and the man found himself he found himself in a difficult situation. Uh, Olivia Keller, journalist Olivia Keller, was in court. Olivia, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What happened to this man? 
Um, 76-year-old James O'Rourke, PJ, he'd never have been in trouble in his life, never before the courts. Um, he basically established a friendship with an American woman on Facebook. Um, the charges came about um, following a guard investigation last year when O'Rourke allowed his bank accounts to be used for money laundering. Um, over 120,000 was sent through fraudulent means from Sweden and France. Um, Detective Garda James O'Reilly told the court that um, the pensioner had no previous convictions and he, you know, cooperated fully with Garda, entered guilty pleas at the earliest um, opportunity. Um, basically, uh, the sums of money consisted of 52,000 sent from Sweden to James O'Rourke's Bank of Ireland account in April of last year. Um, around this time, two other amounts were transferred from France to James O'Rourke's AIB bank account, and those amounts were for 29000 and 40000 um, The alarm was raised by, I suppose, both of those amounts coming into bank accounts kind of red, set off red flags in, mm. in the banks, and the alarm was flagged by both banks, and Mr O'Rourke was brought in for questioning by Gardaí, and he confirmed that he was the person in um, full control of the bank accounts. Now, the Gardaí did further investigations, and they found that... Um, companies in Sweden and France had both fallen victim to what's called an email redirect scheme and the companies in Sweden and France had made complaints to um, Gardaí, or sorry, had made complaints to police in their own countries about mm-hmm. the matter. Um, so basically um, Mr O'Rourke made little to no uh, kind of monetary gain from, from this scheme. Um, he had already been kind of uh, duped into investing 2,000 into a programme to feed homeless people in Nigeria. Um, his barrister, Brian Lee, he said um, he basically was a man who wasn't, uh, you know, very savvy with the internet, um, built up this friendship, got involved in this scam via Facebook. He put 2,000 into the scheme to feed homeless people in Nigeria, having told, being told that he gets 6,000 bank back. He said his client was on a small pension and just saw it as a way of making um, kind of easy, easy money. Yeah. Um, Judge John Avant, uh, PJ, said that um, it would be all right for a 15-year-old to say something like that, but your lad is 76 years old. And um, Judge John Avant said that greed was normally one of the factors for, for somebody to get involved in, in something like this. Mm-hmm. Um so, so basically, I mean, this man was somebody who uh, felt that he was investing in a scheme and being promised that the investment would come to fruition and found himself before the courts um, through through naivety, really, is, is what seems to be coming through. Um, yeah. Judge didn't have a whole pile of sympathy for him, though, did he? No, he didn't. He said um, yeah. that basically anyone getting involved in, in such a scheme was unwise. He said it was difficult to understand by anyone's standard how O'Rourke didn't realise that something was amiss. He said that the bells, whistles and flags should have been going off. Um, he's, the idea of somebody using your bank accounts 
to transfer money. He said that Mr. O'Rourke ignored all this and unwisely allowed his account to be used. And he said it was basically a, a salutary lesson for a man of that age mm-hmm. with no previous convictions to come before the courts. So he received a, a six-month suspended sentence and in under, he made an undertaking to keep the peace and be of good behaviour. And uh, when asked outside the court um, what he would say to anybody who would go on social media in this kind of capacity um, or works that don't, and he said there was a fine line between helping someone and a crime. Okay. All right, Livia, thank you for that. Livia Kelleher covering that case in the Cork Circuit Criminal Court of James O'Rourke, age 76, of Rose Bryan, uh, Newlands Fields, Cross Avon County, Cork. Uh, salutary lesson not to get caught by these things that are happening on social media. 1850-715-996. Quick reminder to you, we're looking for your MP3 demos. It's Cork's 96FM's Local Hero Talent Search, launched in association with Hot Press. And we're looking for your, you, if you're a band or a hip-hop artist or singer-songwriter, fellow with a guitar, whatever. Uh, you could get a chance to be featured live on Cork's 96FM. It's Irish Music Month in October and uh, independent radio across Ireland getting together to do this. Email an MP3 demo to Irish Music at 96fm.ie Irish Music at 96fm.ie It doesn't necessarily have to be studio quality or properly mastered or all that just give us an idea of what you're able to do Your chance to win an overall 5,000 euro prize fund you get your record released you'll have your music played on stations across Ireland independent radio stations 25 of them across Ireland It's all part of Irish Music Month proudly supported by Cork's 96FM and Hot Press IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. Keep those messages coming in, quite a few of them, about how we might say thank you to those who'd worked on the front line. Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath, looking at a way to do it in the budget, maybe some extra days, holidays, or a couple of quid. Uh, Just talking to Michelle from the INMO this morning. A couple of days' holidays, no good to them. They can't get the holidays they're already entitled to. So they want a cash payment uh, that wouldn't be subject to tax. That would be some way of saying thank you. Your ideas and who should be included. Uh, 83 96 96 96. There are changes are coming again uh, Monday. Uh, they've changed the rules again with regard to the schools. Now, forgive me, this is confusing to say the least, but the gist of it is that primary school children and those in childcare will no longer have to stay home if they're at close contact of someone with COVID-19. Now, there were ins and outs and ups and downs and nuances to it. But in general, in general, if a child is under 12 and has no symptoms, be it in a childcare facility, a primary school or a sports group or a social group, they won't need to have a test and they won't need to isolate if they're at close contact of someone who has the virus. This will apply from Monday. And it has struck fear across a number of places, one being the INTO, Irish National Teachers Organisation. They were speaking out about it this morning. But also Elaine Dunn, the chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Now, Elaine, we spoke recently about the problems your, your sector is already facing, and you're saying this will add to them. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? It will definitely add to um, the problems that we're facing. Um, you know, they only two days ago, we received more guidelines from the HSE 
to the childcare sector. Two weeks ago, Tony Hulahan, Dr. Tony Hulahan said that um, any child with one nose should not enter a service or go to school. I said then, yesterday afternoon at 20 past four, we receive this information and it's just totally conflicting with everything that we have been doing. Look, we understand that, that things need to change and we understand that changes are coming, but phase them in slowly. Mm. Don't just hit it with them like three days before, you know, like we've got today and tomorrow to try and think of what we're going to do. And then we have to make changes on Monday and implement things like we can't. Mm. As, as you service, read we, this this morning, Elaine, what are the implications for, for your typical um, childcare provider? Look, it's literally a free for all, isn't it? It's just let everybody in. You know, it's conflicting because if you are at home and somebody in your home has COVID, then the child must stay at home. But if a child is in a service and they're sitting beside somebody who has COVID, then the child who has COVID then is gone for the 10 days, but the child sitting beside them isn't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. You know, so it's just conflicting. We're just very confused and I know that the department are coming out with FAQs. They frequently ask questions between now and probably tomorrow. And then we have the weekend to go through a 40-page document that we will not probably be able to make head nor tail of. And what people are forgetting here is that we are private-owned businesses. Mm. So therefore, we get to make our own decision here. You know, if, if I feel, and I do a risk assessment, and I feel that there's a risk to anybody inside my service, I'm certainly not going to let those changes come in as quick as they think. You know, because I'm going to risk assess because we do have children who are vulnerable within our services. We do have staff who are vulnerable in our services. So, you know, you we saying, have to look at all Elaine, the bigger that, picture. Are you saying that you and your uh, colleagues are, are are prepared to break these new guidelines from Monday if it's if it doesn't suit? We're going to risk assess. I'm not going to say we're going to break, but we have to do a risk assessment on it and see what the risks are to the people already with inside our, our doors. You know, I mean, we, we went against government guidelines the last time as well because that they were uh, they were just not going to work for us. Yeah. Look, at the, you know, parents need us to stay open. So if COVID comes in and then all of a sudden your staff are gone, look, we're already under a huge amount of stress trying to get staff. Mm-hmm. So if your staff are gone for 10 days, look, let's respect the people that are working on the ground here. Staff are nervous and they're anxious. They're already under a huge amount of pressure. Why put more pressure on them now from Monday morning? Mm. Are most of them you know, not vaccinated, and, though? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say there's, a, there's a, a large number vaccinated, but there are some that are not vaccinated. You know, like we don't ask whether they're vaccinated or not. You know, that's that's mm. are you allowed by thing the way? for them. No, no. Mm. Well, not from what I've been told from from the, the HR company I use. No, you, you don't get to ask them whether they're vaccinated or not. Mm. If they want to give you that information, that's fine. But at the same time, like we have got young women in our sector that, you know, that are pregnant. We have children in services who have underlying conditions that some may have cancer or different things going on. And we have protected all of these children and and also our additional need children who have, you know, underlying conditions as well. So you have to remember, like, we we can't just go ahead and mm. say, hey, this is okay. Let's just change everything yeah, on Monday morning. This is it's, far more nuanced than 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 it uh, than it seems. You've asked for a meeting with Dr. Hulahan. Do you think you'll get one? Um, I would hope to get one. Um, I you know I feel that he needs to sit around the table and and talk with the federation at this point and listen to the worries and concerns that we have like to, to make a decision for our sector without actually bringing any representative body in to talk about it you know dr tony hulahan i ask you to come and work in my service for 10 hours 
and, and tell me at the end of it what we're that we're not doing a good job and that we are keeping everybody safe and well. But come Monday, in 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 two weeks' time, you're probably going to see a much different type of sector because we're going to have a lot of people out sick. You're going to have children out sick, you know, and we don't want to close the economy, but it may happen because services may have to close. A phase based would have been much easier for everybody, for the educational system and for the private providers. Phase it in slowly over the next five weeks would have been a much easier way of doing it where parents could have got used to it, providers and staff could have got used to it. Okay, Elaine, for no reason other than time, I'll leave it there. You've asked Dr Tony Holohan, the Chief Medical Officer, for a meeting. It'll be interesting to see whether you'll get one. That's Elaine Dunn, the Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Yeah, the Irish National Teachers Organisation also said it's too early to drop the contact tracing element of it and is predicting it could lead to school closures by Halloween. Number of school outbreaks has doubled... Uh, 90 last week, 412 pupils and staff linked to those 90 outbreaks. 78 of them were in primary schools. However, public health officials are saying the number of children uh, involved where the virus was passed on was actually low. And the latest advice from Neffet seems to be that the schools are relatively safe, that there hasn't been the huge uptick that we thought there might be when the schools went back in September. See where this one goes. 1850 996 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure you're with me every weekday on the big drive home. Whether it's after work, after school, after college, I'll be here bringing you closer to the stars. I definitely get a lot of Betty Pig shouted at me, which I don't mind. <laughs> the best music guaranteed, and always the biggest prizes. Driving you home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. The big drive home. On Cork's 96FM. Lots of response to my question. What would we do for people who kept working through the pandemic? How are the, you know, the people you feel deserve a thank you? And I will read a lot of them, probably after news. But here's one. And I wonder, don't know how you think. This is from Tig on Twitter. Which says, private sector and retail, etc. get nothing. You were doing your jobs. Just appreciate it. I know it wasn't pleasant, but you were doing your jobs. A bank holiday should be the solution. In other words, from Tiger saying, tough, you did it, and you got through it, and you got paid for it. Maybe an extra bank holiday, but no bonuses and no extras. Thank you, Tiger. If I'm wrong, Tiger, if I'm picking you up wrong, I apologise, but that's what it looks like to me. Tiger's saying it was tough, tough. 1850-715-996. This is Traveller Pride Week, and I'm joined by uh, TJ Hogan. TJ, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. Tell me a little bit about Traveller Pride Week. Is it a new week, or is, is it been around for a while? No, it's been around for a while, and it was kind of an initiative from the government um, after Traveller Ethnicity to kind of get um, people familiar about what Traveller culture actually is. As we know, there's stereotypes out there, and it was kind of to combat that with the positives of our culture and kind of look at it from a positive way to bring our own community together with the wider community, you know? 
if it was so so you, you, as you said, there are a lot of negative stereotypes out there, and and I don't intend to focus on any of these in the course of this. But but the positive things that we can learn from our our traveller neighbours, that's what this week is about. Exactly, like I, Irish travellers have have contributed to Irish society in folklore, in music, in history, and it doesn't get uh, expressed enough. And that's what this week is: is to mark that that there there was a huge contribution from Irish travellers, and is to recognise that because there is a huge identity crisis within the travelling community at the moment. Our suicide rates are skyrocketed and are above national average, and it, it's kind of to put identity back into community, but mm. also bring everybody along with us. You know? Do you know why those? rates are so high or is there research done into it? No, look, there's a number of different issues, you know what I mean? Uh, but look, um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's very hard to be a minority in this country at the moment, you know, there's a lot of online abuse, there's a lot of racism um, and this week is to focus on the positive aspects of that and it's a really refreshing week and we've been very busy here at our end. Tell me a contribution that travellers might have made that I wouldn't know about, say, to culture, art literature yeah well a lot of Christy Moore songs came from travellers and yeah. uh, you know Finn Berfiori and we look there's a lot of different things that came down I'm not going to get into all of it on here but um, travellers actually are travellers are the last of the people to hold on to Celtic roots for example um, with our language with this called gammon or cant yeah. uh, for example you know um, and that's the last of the traditional Irish people and a DNA uh, study which I know, I know you probably know of it PJ um, John Connors did it um, I'm Traveller um, our, our bloodline is totally different and actually stands back nearly thousands of years you know in Ireland so that culture and that rich, rich tradition and the connections with uh, its surroundings and its people and that family gathering, you know, it's really important and to celebrate that and it's been a huge positive week, you know, we had the launch of this week within Cork, I know TVG and Travelers Women Network have doing fantastic work there and they launched it with the Lord Mayor there in Cork and that was a huge step forward to see our flag, the Cork Traveller flag uh, flying over City Hall was, is a huge huge step, you know. Mm. What kind of events are on to mark the week? Are they online or are they uh, in, in There has person? been a couple, yeah, but mainly online. But there is a pers- uh, an event in person in East Cork Travellers uh, that are running in Milton on the 2nd of October, PJ. It's in the Milton FRC. It's a family fun day. There will be face painting, tent workshops, uh, a number of different um, events. And... Um, I'm gone off here, am I? You know, you're fine. You're, you're, you're still there. Someone was trying to call you, but you're okay. And <laughs> um, uh, it's a fun day, so that will be open to the public as well. Um, that will be in the Milton FRC, and it's it's basically there will be a bit of uh, our culture on display. So they'll have the old traditional camp set up and the fire and all that. There'll be traditional singing there. There'll be uh, uh, workshops for kids uh, to teach kids language. Actually, or, a or a the good question, and stuff TJ. Like do, do people do people still? T- uh, learn and speak the language. No, it's kind of something that's kept within families. P- uh, PJ, you know, um, it's kind of something that's passed on from mother to father to you know mm. onwards. You know, it's not something that's really. It's not a language that has never been taught. And I know Leanne and, for example, Owen Ward or Owen Barbardon has done a lot of books recently um, on traveling um, language, but. Um, there is a, a bill coming. Hopefully, um, it's after being passed, but we haven't seen it yet. About in introducing travel curriculum into the schooling system, you know, and that would be a huge step forward and it would show a lot more how travellers have con- contributed over the years okay. in Irish society. Well, we wish, you, we wish you well with the events of uh, Traveller Pride Week. Thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. That's TJ Hogan, 1850 715 996. 
can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Listen to Cork's 96FM all day Friday to win your way to Ed Sheeran live in Cork on April 28th. Cork! Thank you so much for having me up. Ed Sheeran! My bad habits sleep to late nights. Tickets go on sale Saturday at 8am, but you can win them before you can buy them all day this Friday. Only on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. You know, they've actually gone and put a value now on the salary you'd have to pay if you were paying a parent to stay at home, if, if you get my drift. I'll talk about that in just a second. Big response to our ideas with regard to how you thank frontline workers for their work during the pandemic and, and what, what constitutes a frontline worker. Yeah, the government is looking at a plan for the budget uh, to be announced next month, possibly some extra time off, possibly some extra money. They haven't come up with the idea yet just to tell us that it will cost tens of millions of euro. The NMO, Michelle from the NMO was on saying, listen, we don't need extra days off because we can't get the days off we're entitled to as it stands, so they'll be of no use to us. And if you're giving us extra money, then what we would like actually is a once-off cash payment that would be tax-free. So that's, that's what they want. And then, of course, who else should be entitled to it? Retail workers, truck drivers, bus drivers, train drivers, anybody else, couriers who, who continued to work, supermarket workers who continued to work throughout the whole lot of this, postal staff, guards, soldiers, firefighters, ambulance people who continue to work through it, who should be entitled to? Other people think, well, actually, you know how you cover everybody in one go would be to give an extra bank holiday weekend. But Kevin makes the point on Twitter that, it, well, an extra bank holiday, especially for retail, retail, retail sure, that's pointless. They'll just end up working it anyway. Truth is, I'm not sure there's anything you can do outside of a once-off, tax-free payment of whatever the average daily rate of pay is across the board. So I think what Kevin is saying there is, let's look at everybody who earns and pays tax in this country. Let us calculate the average daily wage from say, someone as highly paid as the Taoiseach right down to someone working on minimum wage, average the whole thing out and give everybody a day's wages tax-free. That's not a bad idea. A lot of maths involved, um, Kevin. But not a bad idea. A few more, a big long message from Evelyn as well about that, which I will get to in the course of the morning. But, 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 they have put a value now on the work done by stay-at-home parents. They're another frontline worker. The work done by stay-at-home parents. And they were even busier during the pandemic because kids were out of school. They were doing everything while they were at home. But they've done a new study. Uh, it was done in the UK. So it's comparable, I guess. Not the same, but comparable. They did a study of a 1,000 people. And they worked out that the salary you'd have to pay someone 
to be a, a stay-at-home parent was just under €49,000 a year. 48904 to be exact. Which is nothing like what they get in the first place. Uh, blogger Rob Horgan's been on me before, the, the regular dad. Rob, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? 49 grand to stay at home full time. Is it worth it? Well, listen, if someone offered that to me in the morning, I'd probably take it off from the old, but um, I think it's um, it's one of those, I suppose, I have a greater appreciation for stay-at-home parents since Aaron came along there. Yeah. So I think it's um, one of those scenarios where, I, yeah, I mean, I had a read of that. So I saw the article and that uh, survey in question, and I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a nine-to-five job. It's a 24-7, yeah. and even when you think you can clock off you know, you're you're thinking of something else, you're you know, you're on to the next job or it's and even when you're lying in bed at night you're still thinking about what happens the next day or down the line and what you need to get yeah. in place. So I mean especially for me, I suppose I've been working from home throughout the entire pandemic and stuff like that and I've been able to see firsthand um you know, obviously my own wife uh you know looking after Aaron and all that goes into it. Now, I'm in a fortunate position. I can step in and give a hand. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's a full-time job. And then if you were to put on top of that, uh, the ex- any extracurricular activities that I imagine uh, a parent with an older child, you have to, to teach them or school them, um, try and you know, keep their activity levels up to a certain degree. I think it's, yeah. I can well believe it's, it's close to that amount. When you, yeah. Especially when you take into something to, into consideration like childcare. Like, like 49,000 40, yeah, 49, isn't a bad wage in, in, in the market. But like you said, that's no. for that's for nine to five. That's for standard yeah. holidays in the year. That's for, you know, all the time off that you get and whatever. Mm. 49 grand not a bad salary. Not great, but not bad. No, but no and I, something on that I didn't... Oh, sorry. Being a, being, a, being a stay-at-home parent is not nine to five. No, not one bit. Like even Joe, like last night now... Um, we were up twice during the night um, with Aaron. It's not, you know, you don't clock off. It just, it's, it's to, you drum to their beat, um, quite honestly. So it's it's one of those ones where I think, you know, there's no greater appreciation should be paid to people who are, who are you know, full-time stay-at-home parents because um, it's not your, you know, it's just full-on all the time. Um, and it is trying to find that those little breaks in the day for yourself or making me time for each, uh, for each other. Um because I think it's you know it's all consuming. Um, I was just I was, I read that article yesterday and I thought to myself it doesn't even take into account the amount of your know, energy you would spend on your know, extra washes and drying clothes and yeah. the, the, the you know the dishwasher and stuff like you know, your energy costs go up to the roof as well and it's just um, and then it's it's a very taxing job. My own wife uh, she breast she's breastfeeding, so on top of everything she's she's that as well to do mm. um and it's it's i mean it's it's just full on it's very uh there's no breaks <laughs> you you actually, i don't think, I, I don't, don't actually think you could rob put a financial no. value on it no i don't think so either i think it's like if you were to, if you were trying to hire someone 24 7 you'd be talking in three figure sums i'd imagine but it's again it's just even the attention to detail or the, the love and compassion that like your a parent would give to their child and the effort they put in on a daily basis 
might be different than someone who was paid to do the job, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's obviously there's, you can't put a sum on the, the, I suppose, the parental connection or bond that you develop with your child spending that much time with them and, and being involved in all that. But it's, yeah, I mean, when I read it, there was a few things I was like, they, they did that now for how much? <laughs> and so, and like, and even things, I mean, I remember my own parents, and I, I don't know how they were able to, you know, work nine to five, pick me up from rugby training and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I was thinking about myself now is that it's, I'm, it's full on for myself and Ruth with Erin and she's only six months old and I can only imagine what it's going to be like if we have another one or as she gets bigger and she wants to do every hobby and she will. go to this and that. Yeah. Oh, you uh, six months, uh, lad, you're only starting out, you know. I mean, I was going to ask you actually how old she was. I'd forgotten. So she's six months old now. So yeah, six months yesterday. Oh, well, delighted. You, yeah. You're not... You're not yet bothered by dance classes or Saturday morning training for this, that or the other sport or the cost no, of going to yes. you're, you're only starting lad you've yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. so not trying to frighten your anthony, you know I'm well aware of it I have a few friends that have just kind of you know, opened my eyes to it a bit more that you know <laughs> when she starts talking and starts being able to interact it's going to start being a little bit more costly a bit more even fuller on than it is at the moment it just moves from yeah, yeah you might have uh, sleepless nights to having far busier days and your time goes in different ways so um, but I mean it's it, it's it's fantastic I love being I love being a dad and I yeah. love being able to spend as much time as I do with her yeah. and as I said I'm fortunate enough that I have been working from home and some people haven't been I just you know listened to you there before you came on air about you know uh, frontline workers throughout the pandemic who you know weren't able to say you know be at home full time or work from home and they were out there. I have been fortunate enough that, you know, in the mornings I'll be up first thing in the morning with Erin before I start work. I'm there with her at lunch and I'm there straight after I, I finish that uh, in the evening. So I'm able to help in lots of ways where I know there's plenty of stay at home parents that, you know, they might not see their partner from one, you know, one end of the day to the other. And it's, that's, that's tough. And that's, you know, even just keeping her like watching movies and stuff, I, I could only imagine what she would be like if I wasn't here to give a hand or give her a little break uh, if she was having a rough day. You know, and mm. it's there's no price in that. There is no, there's no value. I think you can put you do research or anything on it. So I view I have a far greater appreciation. You should appreciate anyone that's a stay at home parent. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's no, I think there's no there's no salary could compensate for it. Rob, thanks very much as always, and continue to turn out the good blog. It's a great blog, the regular dad. That's Rob Horgan, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I want to read this one because if I don't, I'll forget it, and it's quite lengthy. And this is to do with Michelle from the INMO, who I spoke to in the first hour about this budget bonus that we're being told about for, for frontline workers. We don't quite know what form it'll take just yet, but what Michelle was saying was, look, extra time off is of no use to us. We can't get the time off we're already entitled to. And if you are going to give us money, great, but give us a once-off cash payment that wouldn't be subject to tax. That might be acceptable as a thank you. Evelyn was on to us to say, so happy to hear Michelle speaking this morning. 100% support frontline workers. I recently spent a night in the ED at CUH. What an eye-opener. Like everyone else, I've been hearing for ages now about how hectic things are in hospitals all over the country, especially since COVID. I received excellent care and attention 
but I observed an overworked and exhausted staff of nurses and doctors. I genuinely fear for their health, their physical, mental and emotional well-being. How they continue to work in that hectic and demanding environment day after day, giving the excellent care they do, is completely beyond me. It is beyond time to call for our government and HSE to take a serious and proper in-depth look at the health system and specifically those working on the front line and to honestly and objectively identify and address the systemic and management failures that are contributing to this situation. Have we all become so desensitised to reports of the number of patients on trolleys that we've forgotten what that must actually feel like? For the patient, for the families watching or in this current situation waiting for updates as they can't be there. And most importantly, for the staff caring for these people day after day with no let up or end in sight. Skipping breaks, finishing a 12-hour shift exhausted knowing they'll face the same situation when they come back the following day. Would employees in the private sector put up with that? We need to take action now to insist that these professionals are minded by the very organisations who employ and represent them. Hear their pleas, listen to their needs, ease their workload, improve their working conditions, equip them to be the wonderful clinicians they are. Forget about clapping for health heroes. Let us make an actual difference. Without these frontline professionals, we don't have a health service. It's beyond time to make these changes. Let's stand up and be counted. Let's be heard. It's not good enough for these patients and healthcare professionals. They are our families, our friends, our neighbours. And they deserve better. I'm not too sure there's a better way to express that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Avoid the afternoon slump and just make your afternoon or your day at work a bit more entertaining. We've got all the big trending stories, your favourite tunes and everything Cork. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Every time I do this, I make the very blatant mistake of leaving some group of frontline workers out. Uh, for example, Peter Hines said I didn't mention the farmers. And Peter, I'm sorry. Um, Tom says I didn't mention the TDs. I think Tom's tongue is already firmly in his cheek there. We'll come back to it, though. There's still more coming in about the idea. How is it, how would we say thank you to those who worked when the rest of us stayed at home? who went and continued to keep the place turning over when the rest of us were staying home and hoping this whole blasted thing would go away. 1850-715-996. I remember the time I spoke first to Una Ring. Uh, It was literally the day or the evening after James Steele had been jailed for five years He'd pleaded guilty to a series of offences at Una's home between February and July of 2020. She'd met him at work. And James Steen was from Roscarbury. And uh, she, on the day of the court case, she spoke to me uh, about just how frightened she'd been by him and about the time when, in particular, when the guards caught him at her house. 
like I felt I, I, I felt safer knowing that the guards were outside because those were the hours that he was around. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he'd come in the daylight. And, you know, during the summer, like kind of from five o'clock on, it's starting to get bright and people are kind of going to work. So I I felt safe enough that they were there um, knowing that they were there and that they were going to stay there. You know, they, they said no matter what happens downtown, this car is not going to budge, you know. So um, that I that was great security for me. Yeah, they were, they were fantastic for you in fairness, weren't they? They, they just, they, they, they really couldn't have done any more than what they did. Like they went above and beyond. Like I, I say, there's too numerous to mention, but Jim Heffernan was the guard that that tackled him outside my house, and Sergeant Sharkey, Sergeant John Sharkey, was with me all the way up through. You know all all the other things. So they they were just they were they're they're just very 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 good people. It was the first you know, radio. They really really are. It was the first radio interview that Una had given. And uh, she spoke to me on the opinion line back in February about even though he was in jail, she was still afraid she'd come across James Steele. That was how much he played with her mind. Even now, like, I'm I'm still kind of saying, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. I kind of have to persuade myself that I'm safe if I'm, if I'm out and about. So that, but that will fade with time. Like, I'm... I was obsessively checking the doors locked. Now it's down to a couple of times a day, like as opposed to <laughs> every hour. Even though he's now behind bars, can do you no harm anymore, you're still left with this legacy of checking doors. Yeah. And the other thing is because, I suppose, because of his age and the colour of his hair, like there's a lot of people that from the back look like him. And you do kind of get a, <gasps> you know, if you see somebody... You know, I'm sure that will fade with time also, but at the moment, it's the, like last week I was in Tesco's and there was a man from behind looked very similar to him and I just got a start, you know, even though I knew I knew it wasn't him, I knew it couldn't possibly be him, but you do just get that shock. The mind plays tricks. The mind plays tricks, yeah. Uh- I'll ask Una in just a minute how she's doing now in that regard. But instead of doing what she'd have been fully entitled to do, go home, close her door, get on with her life and and never talk to the likes of me again, which she'd have been perfectly entitled to do, she didn't do that. She went and she got involved in a campaign to make sure that the next James Steele would be caught a lot more easily by making stalking an actual crime, which it isn't in this country. It might be soon. Here's a video uh, put up by Fianna Fáil Senator uh, Lisa Chambers. The crime of stalking has a very severe and long-lasting impact on the victim, long after the situation has ended. The current harassment laws do not adequately cover the seriousness of the crime or the impact on the victim. We must listen to victims and take our lead from them in framing the law in this area. I have been working closely with Una Ring and Eve McDool, the co-founders of Stalking Ireland, to bring this legislation to the Shannon. Una, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Good to speak with you again. And first of all, you heard those clips there back in February when you were still shaky going into Tesco's, for example. Yeah. How are you now? Yeah. Yeah, like a, a little bit better. Um, it, is, it is still very much with me. Um which I didn't think it would be, <laughs> but it is very much with me. I I, I think it, it it was more ingrained in my mind than I than I initially thought. Yeah. Like, um, I I did 
think I saw him in Killa there one day and nearly crashed the car. You know, this this kind of a thing, like I'm still checking the back seats before I get into the car. I'm still checking that the, the, the door is locked. Um, so, yeah, it is it is still very much there. Um, I still won't go out for a walk on my own as much. Uh, you know, mm. you're still very aware of my surroundings. I suppose it does. It, it does change you as a person. Um, it changes how you view the world. Um, everybody is kind of a danger, I suppose, un- until they go past you. So mm. it is it does. The trauma of it does does linger, and actually, it's it's lingered longer than than what I thought. I mean, it's 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 fine, it's manageable, mm-hmm. um, but it does change. It does it, it completely changes you as a person, and I'm sure anybody who's gone through has gone through it will will, will agree with me. You know, it's, it's mm. very, you, you don't you don't just overcome it. You know, yeah. have you help? Yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm done my counselling now, but I'm still in contact with my counsellor, um, and I'm on very good medication, um, which is is working extremely well. So it's, it's just it, it keeps me calm, you know, because before, I, like I, I was a nervous wreck, um, so the, the the medication is very good, and I, I'm sure I will be on it for a very long time. But you know what about it? If it's if it's helping, you know, because. I think there is a little bit of a stigma attached to, to medication for mental health, but I feel if it's if it's working, Absolutely. Um, stay on it. You know, that's, that's the time to stay on it. That's not the time to go off it. Una, if, you had, if, if you had a pain in your back and the doctor said take a tablet every morning and the pain will ease, you take a tablet every morning. Without so, without it, a shadow of a doubt, yeah. you wouldn't even think twice about exactly. it. Exactly. Now, you would have been forgiven, and I said that in the introduction, you would have been forgiven for going home, locking the door, and working on getting on with your life, but you didn't. You you got together with no. Eve, and you mm-hmm. worked on getting the law changed, and it may be about to come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's getting there definitely. Like it's going to it's going to the third stage next um, next Tuesday. It's going to committee stage at uh, half past two next Tuesday. So it's it's going along faster than what we thought. Um, we were able to watch, which was brilliant. We were able to watch the Oireachtas debate live last night. Uh, it was on for an hour and a half and um, there was just fear support, cross-party support. All, all the political parties were there. They were all supporting it. Um, and it was really great to watch. Um, no, it was called a debate. There was very little to debate because everybody was in favour of it. Um, but the minister did, did say after like why it hadn't been been you know brought through already and why they're happy enough with what they have. And in fairness to Lisa Chambers, she just shredded <laughs> shredded everything in a very dign- in a very dignified yeah. manner. You know, and to remind the listeners who who are aware, they they believe or they say that it's currently covered under a harassment legislation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you yeah, like, know harassment is not what was done to me. Exactly. Exactly. Because like the, the I suppose the, the end result for her, for harassment is just to get inside somebody's head and kind of freak them out, make them uncomfortable. Um, the end game for stalking is, is rape or murder. That's 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 the bottom line, really, you know. Um, so, like when 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 I was being messaged um, and and rang on the phone and stuff, that 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 was harassment. But well, like when he's creeping around your house and you have to seal your letterbox in case petrol is going to be poured through when the guards are sitting outside your your house every night, like that, that's pure stalking, you know. Mm. And it's the it's the end it's the end result is the, their end goal, I suppose, is is key 
mm. here, like the, the end result in, in harassment and in stalking, you why know, they're two you, very different things. Why do you think that the Department of Justice is so insistent, speaking through its minister, so insistent that what's there already is enough? I don't, I, I actually don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't grasp why they're not jumping to get this done. Um. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I suppose the only thing is like if they walked a mile in my shoes, They'd have done it the day after the court case. You know, it's um, it's it's a it's a horrendous thing for anybody to to feel that they're being watched, and the, it's just the the, the the discomfort of being out and about and and know somebody is watching. It's it's horrendous. And if that had happened to, you know, to, to somebody who can change it, then it would have been changed long ago. Like there was one of the politicians last night. She was a very brave woman, and she stood up in the Arctis and she, um. She she kind of went through her story. She was stalked for two years, and like it was harrowing, even to hear the, the the fear still in her voice. And this was like something like ten years ago, you know. And there is such support for it, and such cross party support for it. And they just like they're they're, they're quoting stuff that was done in nineteen ninety seven. Like that's it's, it's twenty four years ago. Yeah. You know, like you, you can't say something back in twenty twenty four years ago is is adequate now. You know, no. no. Like so, you uh, know, the, that, it is, is time what, for a change. Is it what drives you, Una, to keep 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 doing this? That so no woman ever again has to go through what you 
and what Eve yeah. went through. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're 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 done. Like we're after getting our our justice. We're we're completely finished with it, you know. But it's for everybody else that they will feel they will feel more confident in reporting it. And in fairness to the guards, a lot of, a lot of the time. Um, their hands are tied because it's not a crime. Like you go in and say somebody is stalking me. Well, stalking isn't a crime. There is no crime against it, you know? So I suppose their hands are tied for a lot of it, but they do need a lot more training. Like I I was very, very lucky in in, in the guards in y'all. I mean, mm-hmm. but mine is the exception rather than the rule. Whereas Eve had to constantly ring them and every time she rang them, she had to re, re, reiterate how scared she was she had to go through her story she had to repeat herself and uh, she said there was one or two times where she didn't even ring them because she just felt like a nuisance yeah, yeah. whereas in in y'all they all knew my name they you know they were very 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 good and like that's that's down to training and it's down to you know knowledge so i mean the guards need better training and if this was law and brought in like it would obviously have to be supported yes. um and they would get the support in in the, the the training on how and it's even just how to handle people yes no. you know and not like there, there, there was a woman who's stalker he left rose petals all over her front doorstep and the guards said sure women love getting flowers mm, you know like it's the attitude you know and i think it's just that i think it's just that people are uncomfortable Mm. around it and they don't really know what to say so they say something that they deem is funny but it's actually not like no no you know the the the, the cross party support is there and you saw it last night watching the online yeah. uh, debate mm-hmm. the legislative process in this country moves extraordinarily slowly unless they mm-hmm. want to move it quickly for their own benefit exactly but it moves extraordinarily slowly so where do you think it's going to go now well, as I said, now it's going to the third stage in, in next Tuesday. Um, and I think there's two more stages after that. And then the whole process, this this is in the Shannon. So then the whole process has to be repeated in the Doyle. Um, so like we're not <laughs> we're not talking today or tomorrow, mm. you know. But I didn't think it would be going to, to the committee stage as quickly as it has been. So with the amount of support it has, um, hopefully it will be uh, it will be a lot quicker than like I I didn't even think we'd be at this stage. Now you, you know it's only been he was only sentenced in February. Yeah. When you think about it, yeah. I thought we would we'd be a year or two down the line. But I think Lisa Chambers has been instrumental in getting it um getting it through yeah. this to this stage this quickly. She's yeah. she's a firecracker like she's really passionate about it and she has pushed and pushed and pushed yeah. um in the background to get it done. You know is this is this work helping with your own recovery, Una? Does it drive Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, yeah. Like, I mean, the thing is, is it's turning what was a very negative situation into a positive one. Um, and it, you do feel you're getting, because when, when, when your life is being controlled by somebody else to the point where even walking out to your car is an ordeal, like, this is helping me get that little bit of control back. You know, and I suppose it's a, I suppose as petty as it sounds, it's a little bit of revenge. You know what I mean? It's, it's for, for, no, to that people of that, that mindset. That doesn't sound petty at all, Una. That sounds perfectly human, if you ask me. Mm. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. It's it's just and it's and to help other people as well because I mean I was very very lucky in with the guards because they were just absolutely phenomenal. But not everybody like we've been inundated with emails on the the stalking.ie website and. Like, I think I was the exception rather than the rule that the general consensus is that the guards haven't been able to do much for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose I was help. lucky. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, if this law comes in and they, the guards get the support that they need for um, helping people, then it will it'll make a huge difference. I mean, it's been in Scot- England, Scotland, and Wales for over 10 years mm-hmm. and their reporting has trebled and their prosecutions have doubled. Mm-hmm. So... The statistics are there to back this law up. Like every time that you and anyway, it just should be that it just should be a law. You know, there should be a law against it. Anyway, that's just the bottom line. You know, every time that you appear on the show, the same word comes up in the comments: uh, inspirational, Una. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks very much. Like it's it's and it's lovely. Like the, the amount of support. That I that myself and Eve have been getting, you know, people have been so kind and they've been so good to us. And even the likes of yourself having us on on the radio to get the word out to, and it's for for people listening in who might be going through it. You know, there is there there is light at the end of the tunnel now. We, like we're hoping to make it a law, and hopefully then it'll make their lives easier with regards to reporting, mm-hmm. um, prosecuting. You know, an aftercare service as well. You know, like all these things are very, very badly needed. Talk to me finally and briefly about the website. I, I know that when it's set up first, we spoke about it. Uh, it's developed a lot mm-hmm. now. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of information on it now, you know. And because as, as you know, when myself and Eve were going through it, there was no, this is the only website in the country at the moment for stalking. Um, and there's a lot of information on it. Um on how to report and when to report. And I mean, the, the one thing that I would say to anybody who's listening um, is trust, trust your, trust your own gut, trust your own instinct. And if you, if you feel uneasy about something, report it. Sim- simple as that. And you're not wasting anybody's time report. If you feel in your gut that something's wrong, then you need to do something about it. And, and, Document at, least the, at least the website possible. is there now for, with the advice of where to start. Exactly, exactly. There's information on how to recognise stalking behaviour. So if you think, God, is this is this stalking behaviour, you can check the website and, and you'll find out, you know, whether it is or whether it isn't. You know, there's just, just information and guidance, I suppose, on it. And there's also the petition, like we're up to over 11,000 signatures now. Um, so the petition is on it as well. So, I mean, the more signatures we can get, the better, you know, so, um, that's there as well, but the information and guidance is, is on it, on, on how to report and just how to recognise it. All right. Una, listen, as always, I wish you well in your continued recovery from what James Steele did to you and good luck with the future of bringing this law into, into fruition. Good to speak with Thanks you Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Una Ring, uh, 1850 I said it when I spoke to her in February and I said it to her each time that she's been on since. I have not yet had in 2021 a more impressive guest on this program than Una Ring. If I had the ability to award her the Opinion Line Woman of the Year, I would. It's just that she she's an incredible woman. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. King Kong Company are back at Cork Opera House for a late night show on Sunday 24th of October with tickets on sale now from the box office. It's part of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival. All areas. After a long two years away, the Boom are coming back to the stage and come to Cork on Friday, October 22nd for a show at Cypress Avenue. Tickets are now on sale from the venue's website, cypressavenue.ie. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Kieran Kramer was on to me. I remember he was on the show there a couple of weeks ago talking about his experience with uh, COVID-19, of course, one of our great entertainers. Kieran says, after spending nine months in hospital through this very tough time, we can't thank those frontline workers enough. They put their own lives at risk and their families' lives at risk every day that they went to work. Doctors, nurses, cleaners, catering... The list goes on, my friend. Thank you for that, Kieran. And speaking of entertainment and entertainers, I have to bring you some very sad news that has just been confirmed to me in the last couple of minutes. And we will pay tribute and remember him after 11 o'clock. But I have to bring you the very sad news this morning that singer, comic, actor, entertainer, host of many in All-Ireland homecoming and my friend Bill O'Connell has passed away. He was in his 90s. Bill was a legend. He drove a truck for Beamishes. That was his day job. Uh, but And we had, over the years, himself and myself had many a pint together. But he was an entertainer par excellence. Opera house, everyman, you name it. He trod the boards. He sang. He told jokes. He had characters. He was the original panto dame. He was one of the very, very best. And the news has broken this morning that Bill O'Connell has passed away. Um, may he rest in peace. 1850-715-996. We'll talk about him a little later. I spoke to Jackie Hurley when she brought out the first volume of her book, Girls Play 2. And Girls Play 2, book 2, has come out now with more inspiring stories of Irish sportswomen. And given the performances during the Olympics and the Paralympics, Jackie, I'd say you could nearly start book three. Good morning to you. <laughs> morning, yeah. I think that's exactly it. And isn't it great, though, to have so many of these that we can celebrate? And even, as I said to so many of the people who were in the first book, I nearly have to rewrite the first book. There's been so much success since then, which is uh, a nice complaint to have. Yeah. Talk to me about why you began to write these books in the first place. Look, I suppose it was one of those things that I probably always wished I had when I was a kid. Like, that's the truth. There probably wasn't these kind of books out there. And I just kind of thought, like, why am I waiting for somebody else to do something when, you know, I could just as easily do it? And I think we've all had campaigns in the last couple of years. You've seen the power of 20 by 20 and what they tried to do in in just changing the landscape. And I just thought, rather than making these kind of empty promises of, oh, I'll just go to more matches and I'll talk about more matches and that kind of thing, I just thought, why not do something a bit more 
more tangible for a generation of kids who can genuinely have a different life than what we had where like look I think there's loads of sports role models out there there always was and particularly where you and I are from in Cork we've always had lots of strong uh, Cork sports people but I just think it's about showing kids the you know the multitude of sports that are out there and and something like this was really really simple and look thankfully people have responded to it which is why what allows you to do more than just one because I think in my head I always wanted to do a series but if the first one is terrible and nobody (laughs) wants it then you definitely can't do another one (laughs) well I mean if you look at what you what you who's in the second one I mean people who didn't make the first book like Valerie Mulcahy's in there. I only had Valerie on the show yesterday. Gemma O'Connor, who's a, a playing... Was she was she a, a playing compatriot of yourself in your camogie days? She was. Yeah, yeah she, she was. was. I thought yeah. she was, and yeah. Then, and and Neve is in there, the, the discus tour. Um, yeah, and like, look, I think when you look at people like, you know, Neve McCarthy, Anna Geary, the calibre of those kind of athletes that you're talking about, like, for me, it was never a sense of, like, there was a bar and people didn't make it. It was actually like, how am I going to put all these people into a book? Like, when I started off, I wanted to have a 100, and the publishers were like, you can't put a 100 people into a book because kids need to be able to put this into their bag. You know, if it's a 100 <laughs> people, that's a 200-page book. You know, you don't want to be giving them the Norton Anthology of English Literature to be carrying around either. You want to be kind of saying here look kids I want you to hold this and take it to bed so like to me a series kind of made more sense and like there's loads of people out there who whose stories I'd still love to tell like I, I could do 10 different books of this you know genuinely and the same thing for boys like I get this a lot where even my seven-year-old son is like ma'am why don't you have a boys one and I was like that's the point son you know there's been loads of these kind of books for boys but actually he's right because if we are trying to promote you know a sense where boys and girls get equal opportunity then there should be a boys book too so that's firmly in my mind that I'd like to do a boys edition at some point too but Mm. um, it's just nice to be able to have this amount of them you know deliberately written for, for, for children to read and enjoy joy. Why why aimed particularly at children, Jackie? Look, I think you and I know you can change adults' minds, but it takes longer. And I think we all have our ingrained kind of sense of identity and who we are and just how the world works. Whereas kids don't see the world that way. Like to me, it's just like, like even, you know, just taking my son to the Republic of Ireland women's game or whatever the other night, it's just simple. He doesn't see any gender barriers. So actually by speaking to children, they're the ones who are going to be the future decision makers. And if you make it simple enough for young boys to read about the Katie McCabe's of this world or the Valerie Mulcahy's, then they're going to feel like that's just their norm. So to me, writing an adult's book never appealed to me. Like, And because maybe because I have kids as well myself, mm. I sort of, I like the fairy tale nature because I read stories to them every night as well. And I just kind of thought, why not have a fairy tale that's about winning All-Ireland medals or Olympic medals or whatever, or just playing sports? You know, it's not all about winning either, mm. but it's just about giving them something different. Mm. Is there a subliminal thing too in it, Jackie, in that, like you said, we're old enough to form our own views and and look at the but children are the teachers they're the ones who will turn our heads in ways we haven't looked before completely I couldn't agree more because genuinely like your kids ask you questions that you wouldn't even dream of asking you know but they ask it in a way that's so innocent it's like well why don't you do that and you're there thinking my god that's really inspired like I get that from my kids all the time where they're just saying but why can't we do that mammy and I'm like well it's kind of a legacy thing you know this is this is the way life is but actually they're the ones who are going to change the future generations so look there is a lot of subliminal stuff in it one other thing that was really important to me about this book is actually there's a lot of life 
adversity in it. So like it's not all just about sporting success. Like mm. you've got people in here who are overcoming, you know, dyslexia, body issues. Like you've got Katie Walsh talking about having a stammer. You know, like there's lots of stuff that kids just go through that we sort of just don't really pay enough attention to just how difficult it can be to be in primary school these days. And I kind of wanted this book to reflect a little bit of that as well, where, you know, if if a parent is reading with their son or daughter and they get something from that side of things, then I'll be just as happy that they've learned something from that. And it's not just about sport too, because look, it's a lot of difficulties out there for families to be overcoming. And I'd like to think that sport helps some of them with them too. So um, look, I, that was really, really important to me in this book too. Are you already interviewing for book three? <laughs> Not yet, but uh, look, do you know what? I, I've i enjoyed the process so much more than I thought I would. Like anybody who's ever written a book out there or understands the work that goes into it. And I really wanted to make sure that I would interview all of the athletes in the book because I want this to be their story. I don't just want to pluck pieces from their life and shove it into a book. I really wanted them to tell me what was important to them. And the interview process is actually the best part of it because the crack you have talking to them all. And look, thankfully, Ireland is such a small country. You can pretty much talk to anybody you want here. So um, would love to do another one and I would genuinely love to do a boys one as well PJ because right. I think that's I think that would be really important too so hopefully as soon as I get the time for it one of these days now you know <laughs> alright Congra- congratulations on it and it's been a very busy year too for, for Jackie Hurley uh, one of our leading sports broadcasters in the country and a very proud Cork woman too thanks Jackie 1850 Opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. A few more comments on Frontline still coming in to know what. How would we best pay tribute? How would we best say thank you? How would we best recognise the effort of frontline workers of all kinds, not just the healthcare sector, not just retail, not just farming, not just the defence forces and the guards. How would we reward or thank everybody who put in an extra shift or put in their shift on the frontline during the pandemic? And your thoughts are welcome at 083 396 96 96 uh, or indeed 1850 This was to be a very, very happy day for the everyman in that they are open tonight and will have bums on seats for the first time in 500 and God knows how many days. And that will be a very happy occasion for the everyman. But it's also turned into a sad day for Cork Theatre and Cork Entertainment. One of the giants of the Cork stage um, has has passed away. I speak of uh, Bill O'Connell. Dennis McSweeney is chairman of the Everyman Board. Dennis, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is indeed a sad morning. Yeah, one one of the greats has left us. Talk to me about the man. Yeah, he's he's outstanding. You know, uh, it, it, it's extraordinary that uh, just one word, his name, without surname, is enough to convey 
you know, just Billa. It's sufficient to bring a smiling, perhaps a tearful memory, you know, to your mind. Like I suppose for 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 many Corkonians, I suppose young and old, it was our first experience, you know, of the magic of the theatre across the dazzle of the footlights. You know, he he he's just an extraordinary presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to think that like his career stretches over seventy years, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he's a wit, mm-hmm. raconteur. He, he could a, still, and he did put and, little uh, routines together into his eighties, well into his eighties. That's right, yeah. He and and he had that power to to hold an audience, you know, in the palm of his hand, and he could, uh, you know, take you through a sad moment, a disappointment, a shock, and uh, maybe a few tears, but above all, you know, paroxysms of laughter, you mm-hmm. know. He was a stand-up comic. He was a pantomime. He, he he wouldn't be Cork's first pantomime dame, but he certainly is the one that'll go down in memory. No, indeed. I, I mean, obviously, for this generation or the previous, he would be the standout person. But like, he inher- inherited that mantle from people like uh, Nishi Comerford and, and, and so on, you know. And, and I suppose he carried it with 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 Paddy Comerford as well, and you know, even Paddy Cotter and Bellamani and mm. those guys who you know who who made that scene their own. And you know, they, they what people forget. Like, it looks a very simple act, but. These people, Billa particularly, like was a keen observer of people, yeah, and he was able to <clears throat> to bring that then, you know, both his uh, visual uh, you know, and and knowing the sounds of Cork and and yeah. you know the moods and the humours of Cork, he was able to bring that and and create these marvelous characters on stage and to. But, like, it just seems simple when it's cloaked in a Cork accent and it's very. <laughs> Provincial, but it, like it was a universal wit, and a universal skill. Where a lot of young people will have come across him, Dennis, other than Panto, uh, would have been when a Cork team came home after North Ireland. You couldn't have a homecoming well, without Billa. Billa singing the banks or beautiful city yeah. or, or, or 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 those kinds of things, and you know he 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 was just. He he was Cork, you know. He was just so uh, such a, an intrinsic part of of who we are, you know. Um, you know, I dare I say the word the proletariat, if you like, you know. And I, I kind of laughing at at the contrast between himself and Reggie from the Black Rock Road, you know. They 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 were both they're both skillful, uh, you know, <laughs> marvelously inventive performers, uh, but they come at it from different angles. And Billa came, you know, from the depths of the ordinary people but he was giving you a universal experience as as seen by by uh, by the ordinary people of Cork and you know people people of all uh, shades and and even not Cork people loved him for that because I think one of the pr- the proudest moments of of his life was when he was made a freeman of the city, and, and he was he was extremely deserving of that. And his passing, I was just important to to mark his passing today because, like I said, he was he was a friend of mine as well as everything else. And and certainly, I'll I'll miss the laughter and and the pint we'd have occasionally in the Flying Enterprise, the two of us. Uh, but it's a happy day for the everyman, Dennis. Oh yeah, we're delighted. I mean, we we. 
Uh, I suppose we, we, we were suffering, and, and, you know, that's not too strong a word. Uh, it, it's very difficult to, to keep a venture like that going. We have the generosity of, of uh, national funding and so on, but uh, always at the back of our minds, you know, we have the players and the performers and those people who professionally and technically and artistically make theatre happen for not just in Cork, but, but, but all over the country. We, we were delighted that we were able to keep... Uh, the the sort of show alive, uh, though not on the boards and physically in the theatre, we were able to have uh, an online presence and we did some very innovative things and they were very well received and generously supported by by our audiences. But there's nothing uh, replaces, you know, um, as they say, the roar of the grease paint and the smell of the crowd, you know. So we we really needed to get back there in over 500 days uh, for the theatre to be to be dark, you know, and you even sense it when you go into it, into the unused theatre. There's a kind of a, you know, there's a, a, a deadness about the place, and and theatre is all about life and bringing life mm-hmm. to to people uh, in the stage through playing and clever writing yeah. and innovation through lighting and music yeah. and so on. And when that is absent, then the place is moribund, you know. Mm. I look, for, I look forward so much to getting back in there again to see something very, very soon. A question for you. I, I, I don't know whether a decision has been made yet and given the day that it is and the passing of the great Billa, uh, will we have a panto? Um, well, we are working on uh, on, on a, on a programme. Uh, I suppose at this stage, from a planning perspective and a rehearsal perspective, we probably won't have it at the same scale as we would have traditionally had it, but we will be definitely ensuring that the boys and girls will enjoy, enjoy a, uh, a Christmas entertainment, a panto, uh, and, uh, we, you know, we, I don't think we'll disappoint them this Christmas, yeah. All right, listen, congratulations on getting open again. Good luck with, every, with, with, with the season to come. And, let, and, and, and I'd say just one word to Billa, good luck, old stock. Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. That's great. Uh, good luck, Holstock. Yeah, I have a story about Bill. Years ago, we, we got him to um, be the speaker, the MC at a reunion. I was involved in a school reunion. And he's, this is a few years ago now, quite a few years ago now. And he came out telling stories and singing a song and the whole thing. And he said, no, lads, I'm finished. I'm gone. And what you can do now, he says, is you can all let your hair down. And he walked down, and there was one of the teachers, I won't name him, hadn't a hair to his name. He was as bald as an egg. And he just leaned over and put the mic up to his, Do the best you can, by. Cheers, old stock. Thanks, Billa. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM loves Irish music. As part of Irish Music Month on Independent Radio across Ireland, we're looking for you to take part in our local hero talent search. If you're in a band or a solo artist, you could be featured live on Cork's 96FM in October. It's your chance to win an overall €5,000 prize fund, get your record released, and have your music played on 25 independent radio stations across Ireland. For full details, see 96FM.ie. Irish Music Month, proudly supported by Cork's 96FM and Hot Press, IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. Cork's 96FM. I have to stop down at some point before we finish today just to go through and try to mop up as many comments as I have 
to do with frontline workers and how we think they should be thanked or repaid for the extra shift they put in during the pandemic. Uh, as we know, the the government is planning something. Um, the the um, public expenditure minister, Michael McGrath, is planning something for budget time. Not quite sure what just yet. And I'll do that before we finish. I'll get through some more of those comments because you've been piling them onto us during the morning. 1850-715-996. I was asked in early summer uh, to chair an event in Cork this coming weekend. And as it turns out, I'm not able to do that. And I told the organisers a number of weeks back that unfortunately it wouldn't be available on the day. But it's going ahead. Senator Frances Black is going to chair it. She was originally one of the panel and she's going to chair the event, the Ireland's Future event, which is taking place at the Clayton Hotel this weekend. Ireland's Future, according to their own blurb, was established to advocate for and promote a discussion about the future of Ireland, including the possibility of new constitutional arrangements and a united Ireland, guided by the values of the Good Friday Agreement and how we might work together as a 32-county nation uh, going forward. And there was a panel assembled, and I have two members of that panel uh, joining me, Ty Kiki, a comedian and actor, and uh, Ola Mustafa uh, joined me uh, on, on Zoom. Good morning to you both. Hi PJ, how's it going? Thanks uh, for having us. How are you doing? Uh, hi PJ, guess. thanks for having us. Uh, hi Ola. Uh, Ola, I'll start with yourself. Uh, what you, you you would to be part of the panel on Saturday? Uh, you are you are you have you left direct provision or are you still living in direct provision? I am still living in direct provision. Okay. And the future of Ireland. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I think uh, this discussion has been uh, it's it's a timely one, and I think uh, it's been it's been a long time coming. And to uh, to also uh, promote uh, the existence of what will, uh, the Irish people would now typically call new uh, community. I don't think there's any imagined new community of uh, whether it is immigrants or, or black people in Ireland. We've always been here, and I think this discussion is um, is a timely one, and it's all, it just further shows that the, the world is evolving, and we shouldn't be we shouldn't remain static. We should keep keep moving and uh, keep promoting discussions that would uh, foster further development around Ireland and among people. Mm. Your dream is to make Ireland your forever home, I guess, as it were. What kind of a, a country do you want to see? Oh, first of all, I've been here since 2014, and I don't think I can live anywhere else aside um, Ireland. I grew up in a, in a very busy city of uh, Lagos, and when I arrived in Ireland, uh, I lived in Dublin for a month, and it was just like moving from one chaos to another chaos. But when I <laughs> moved to County Mayo, it was it just gave me another perspective about about life and the calmness and the peace and the lovely people that I've met over the years. I don't think there's anywhere else I want to live aside aside Ireland, and I, I pride myself as a Mayo woman. So this is my forever home. This is this is me. This is this is my life now. Yeah, you were you wearing a Mayo jersey for the All Ireland, were you? I was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tig, Tig, I'll bring you in at this point. Tig, comedian and actor, and you made some great waves on uh, social media with your sketches during the during the pandemic but you 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 describe yourself as a lifelong republican so, so what do you want to bring to the table this weekend yeah so i suppose yeah like i mean it's a dream come true for me as a lifelong republican that we're even having these discussions around unity but i suppose all it touches on a really important point there that 
I and other people, I don't think anybody's really interested in trying to bolt the north onto the south um, or, or vice versa, that like the south is a perfect state and that we're just trying to assimilate the north into us. I think, I think what this Ireland's future trying to do is start conversations that, that firstly are apolitical. It's not really about like which party you support. It's about talking about what kind of Ireland that you want going forward and to, to look at, I suppose, the manifold problems that we've got down here. Can we kind of start again as a country and, and hopefully look at building bridges with the North and building a new country that works for all of us? And I think that's, it's really exciting. And I, and I also don't think that it's, it's premature in any way because these conversations are happening amongst people up and down the country now anyway. And obviously Brexit has really accelerated that process. I mean, if you look at in Korea, there's, a, there's an actual ministry for reunification for, I think, on and off for the last kind of 40 or 50 years. So I don't think it's premature for us to be talking about yeah. it. Well, I, I, was, I, was again, on, like, I was in Northern Ireland on my holidays, Tyg, and, and I did talking to people there say, you know, it is a conversation that we're going to have to have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, what you don't want to end up doing, I think, is to go back to the idea of being premature is, People are saying, you know, it might be too soon. It might be too soon. What what might happen is this this kind of you know the demographics are changing. That there's more cultural Catholics in the north now, so that that's changing. There's a middle ground, as you know, in the north that wouldn't identify with orange or green, and that middle ground is predominantly pro-European. So they they've got to have one eye on on how the UK is going to fare outside of Europe and how Ireland is going to fare inside Europe and. If it becomes more appealing and the numbers are there, you could have the Northern Ireland Secretary of State triggering a referendum. And we're not ready down here. We don't even know what we're what we're offering. What kind of a United Ireland is it? Is it is it as yeah. I say some sort of assimilation or is it a federacy? Or so I think it, it's really exciting to be having those conversations. And I think it'll always start with people rather than politicians. And I think that's that's the genius of what Ireland's future are doing. They're, they're making it a people-driven thing rather than any political party. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back in to, to you, Ola, again. And I, I, does the 26 and 6 division, is that something that you're cognizant of in, in terms of settling as a male woman now? No, not at all, no. You don't see any division there. Um, what are the things that you'd like to address in, in, in Ireland of the future? Would there be the, the, the things that seem obvious when one talks to you, like racism, discrimination, that kind of thing? At the top of my head, if I, if I, this is an ongoing thing that I tell people, I, I wish to see an Ireland that doesn't segregate people. I think Ireland has a history of institutionalizing people and you know problematizing people who 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 are uh, who are deemed as being at the bottom of the ladder so whether you are a lone parent you are a person uh, with disability you are a person who who is from the black and ethnic minority background or you are a traveler i don't know whatever it is there is this antecedent of classifying this group of people as being problematic and setting them aside and you know assuming we will deal with them afterwards I would like to see an island who that doesn't, you know, uh, use a kind of a knee-jerk reaction to addressing issues. So until somebody dies, we don't address this. Until something very bad happens, we don't overturn this. I want to see an island that has a proactive, you know, that puts in proactive measures to to addressing issues rather than grouping people, ordering them, and then you know when it becomes a full-blown problem, then it then they. they then there's a there's a dangerous uh, rhetoric around those group of people, and then they are being seen as the problem, as the menace. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But the, the root cause of why it it you know it, it boomerang to that to that extent would never be would never be addressed. But rather those people whose life, who those vulnerable group of people, will then be seen as uh, th- these are the problems we have on our hands, and you know these are the people we have to deal with now. It shouldn't be that way. And I look forward to seeing an Ireland that doesn't you know um, use that kind of uh, segregatory kind of uh, technique to to deal with people in the future. All right. Listen, the event is Saturday at Clayton in town. Uh, Ola Mustafa and Ty Kiki, two members of the panel uh, joining me there. The event is Ireland's Future. You'll find it. Ireland's Future Clayton Hood. There are uh, tickets, I think, on Eventbrite and I believe it's online as well. It's obviously, we, they, they have to... Um, they can't let everybody in. So there are tickets on Eventbrite and there's an online version as well. Ireland's Future happening in Cork on Saturday. As I say, I had been asked to chair it earlier in the year. Unfortunately, I had to withdraw. 1850-715-996. Just on how we would say thank you to the frontline workers, what we should do. Dara says, uh, I feel retail workers were quickly forgotten about. Having worked through the pandemic from day one, having to deal with a lot of impatient, impatient customers who couldn't grasp the idea of social distancing, leaving us open to potential infection. We were thanked for the work at the start, but myself and fellow colleagues then felt we were pushed aside by the public as just an afterthought. At the end of the day, you're only doing your job kind of thing. It was really frustrating, and I feel retail workers shouldn't be forgotten. Uh, love the show. PJ, we work in the private ambulance sector. We get no special treatment. We have countless days. We don't get any breaks, and we work hard with no special privileges. Somebody's suggesting every worker that didn't get a €350 Euro payment should get a bonus from the government. I work as a HCA, healthcare assistant for the HSE. We've been working flat out from day one. A one-time cash bonus would be a nice recognition for all frontline workers. Supermarkets have made huge profits since the pandemic began. I hope they're looking after their fabulous staff appropriately when it comes to bonuses, says Patrick. Gillian says, I think they should give them all and their families a fully inclusive holiday. They deserve some downtime, as they are amazing. I know someone who stepped up and did extra work over the pandemic, uh, doing long hours at the request of an employer, caring for the elderly when there was a staff shortage due to self-isolation. His bonus was being knocked off the council housing list because they reckoned his income from that period had put him over. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's not fair. Carlos says, great to hear about the frontliners getting recognition, but do you know what I think is sad? The elderly have been sidelined now as a pest. Many are still unsure if they're the unlucky ones with a poor antibody count and they're still shielding. Some young people aren't giving them space either with a what are you doing out anyway attitude. I'm calling out my peers on this, cancelling them. It's a bad attitude. And that is the not the first comment we've had about attitude to the elderly in the course of the pandemic. They were the ones who were most vulnerable at the start. They were the ones who got their jabs before everybody else, and rightly so. But you do still get a lot of people shying away from them because they say, oh, look, there's Mrs. So-and-so. Shouldn't she be inside now? Uh, stay home and out of the way and not be causing problems for the rest of us. And that's a horrible attitude to have. Thank you for that call. 1850 715 Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Avoid the afternoon slump and just make your afternoon or your day at work a bit more entertaining. We've got all the big trending stories, your favourite tunes and everything Cork. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, quick reminder to you that Premier League Live is back this weekend on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. Back with Trevor Welsh Saturday afternoon, all powered by TalkSport. Live coverage of Chelsea versus Manchester City at half 12. Everton against Norwich City at 3. Brentford against Liverpool at 5.30. All there on the app or on the web. The Premier League live online with now stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a now Sports Extra membership. Listen Saturday on the app or at 96fm.ie 1857-15996 The first air ambulance charity cycle is also taking place this Saturday in West Cork or, I beg your pardon, it's on Saturday, October the 2nd it's the following Saturday and Darren Lynch is the organiser and he's organising it for very specific personal reasons because Darren, I think your life was saved by the air ambulance Good morning to you Morning, PJ. Thanks, thanks for having me on. What what happened to you, sir? Um, yeah, just to give you a summary, I was um, it's just over eight weeks ago now, so a relatively short time ago, I was taking part in um in a charity cycle. It was the Mizzen Looper, um, a cycle from Drimmer League to Mizzen Head in aid of West Cork Down Syndrome, and um, yeah, unfortunately, roughly an hour into the cycle, I um I was involved in a horrific um single crash um I just just um was overcome by a weakness and uh I, I crashed into a wall mm. um yeah a lot of that is is patchy enough but um yeah it's um it was just one of these freak things and um yeah the next thing i remember following the crash was 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 um was coming around on a stretcher um in a neck brace and paramedics and ambulance crew um surrounding me so it was, um, yeah, um, fairly traumatic at the time, but um, I suppose I was very lucky to have the people around me. Um, you know, I was in safe hands at the time as well. Like mm. You made a good recovery, I trust. Yeah, I did. Um, so um, following, like, at, at that instant, at the accident, um, the Red Cross were on duty at the time. But when they saw the um, severity of my injuries, so just to give you an insight, I, I suffered um, bad head and facial injuries um, to my face and mouth and, and teeth. Um, so it looked serious enough at the time, so the HSE ambulance were alerted uh, from Bantry. And um, given the severity and the, the nature of the head injury, um, the Irish Community Air Ambulance were alerted. And um, fortunately, they were in the area, and within 10 minutes, um they had landed in the local sports field in in Skull Town mm. and I was transferred to, to the air ambulance. Were you conscious during all this? Yeah. Uh, I was conscious when I when I came round, so there was maybe half an hour where I was unconscious. That is still a blank to me, oh, but yeah. I was fully alert um, throughout the transfer and when the medical staff were, were tending to me. Yeah. Um, so, like, that led me to um, my... 
the start of my relationship with their ambulance. So Skull is 100 kilometres by road from CUH and roughly that would be one and a half, maybe two hours, depending on traffic, to, to Cork City. Mm-hmm. But I, I was transferred in 18 minutes from Skull to CUH. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, it's it's critical in, in an accident like that mm. and so in that time um, I arrived up quickly and I was seen to immediately by A&E staff and I had MRIs, CTs and x-rays and fortunately the results came back good the scans were clear so it was just really um, superficial damage but I suppose what was key to that that, that my, my family and friends were able to find out sooner um, the good news, and God forbid, if it was a worst case or a worst case scenario, mm. minutes or even seconds are, are critical in that. Yeah. And I think what it in was was case, one of the reasons that the the ambulance, or the air ambulance, was called was that it was impossible to assess at the scene just how serious things were. So the the, the faster they got you to the hospital, the better. Yeah, yeah, completely, and. Mm. Just from that moment, even the, the paramedics at the time, um, I, I, the, the comfort I had, and I was put at ease straight away. Um, like I've said it over and over in conversations, it's, it's very hard to to find the words to, to justify or describe how it feels or the importance of it. Mm. Um, like you really don't realise the important of, uh, importance of it. Until it actually impacts you or someone near you. Did did you um, even know that that an ambulance an air ambulance existed, Darren, before you set out um, on this? I, I suppose, like most people, you do. You'd hear you might hear of an accident and someone being airlifted to Cork, but ten seconds later, it's gone out of your mind. You know, you're aware of it, but like I said, until it really affects you, it's kind of um, in the background. Yeah. But I suppose since it has affected me. Uh, in a good way, and um, I suppose where I'm from, I'm from the parish of Cora between Drumleague and Skibbereen, and it's, mm-hmm. it would be a, a rural area, and I suppose farming would predominate, uh, which would be uh, a dangerous enough, dangerous enough um, uh, lifestyle as well. Like, But our location, compared to being on the outskirts of the city, to have this service in place is, is absolutely critical. So um, yeah, so that's that's what kind of led me to to my idea. So um, I had surgery um after the accident to to repair um the injuries that I I suffered, and I spent about six weeks at home recovering. And over that time, while my body was healing, I suppose um I had a bit more time to be thinking and um just through conversations with, with, with some of my close friends and some of whom are actually the, the key organisers of the Miz and Looper cycle that I was in. Um, we felt that we, we needed to do something to give back to this, um, to to this organisation. Yeah. So yeah. that's that spawned the idea of the, uh, the first charity cycle. Yeah. So it's Saturday week. Saturday week, yeah. And it's taking place in Skibbereen. Um, out of the Skibreen showgrounds registration from nine to half ten, and it'll it's it's a simple sixty k route, um, suitable to all levels of um cyclists. Mm. Um, yeah, tickets are available on Eventbrite, and 
we're we're taking um donations through um the the, the charity um I donate page as well because I know not everybody will be into cycling but nearly everyone I've been speaking to want to support this because yeah. whether we like it or not um this this impacts everyone especially yeah. down here well, you just don't know when you need it yeah my Michal Sheridan is the the CEO of the Irish Community Air Ambulance and an old friend of the show and a friend of the radio station and has told us more than once that every time that uh, helicopter takes off uh, to help someone like you, the cost is €3,500 and that's constantly needing to be fundraised. So you'd like to raise, I guess, the cost of a few runs next Saturday. Yeah, I I would. um, I, I suppose... The initial thought was that golden figure to cover my own mission, but I want to exceed that because it's it's um it it does need every level of support, and I suppose yeah, like um I was speaking to Mihala and the team in the air ambulance, and I suppose what actually really motivated me to 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 run this with my friends was the history of the air ambulance and where it's where it's come from up to today. So like it was um, established two years ago. This past July was the busiest month in two years. There was 57 people rescued, wow. 19 of whom were from Cork. And the busiest day, five people were, were rescued. That was the 24th of July, the day I was rescued. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That that hits home, doesn't it, Darren? Oh, completely. Like, you, you see these figures, but when you realise there's a person behind those figures, and then when you see that person could be you, um, it's more than a number. Yeah, it is a lot more than a number. Well, listen, yeah. I'm delighted that you've made such a good recovery and no doubt that the availability of the ambulance played no small part in the fact that you made such a good recovery and I wish you and everybody else well on the 2nd of October. Thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, my other half is considered a frontline worker, but he's not a medical frontline worker. I think people who worked within a hospital or nursing home should receive a thank you, including security, catering, household staff, health care assistants, doctors, secretaries, general practitioners, GPs. Everybody should receive a tax-free bonus of €100 per day since the beginning of March 2020. The staff worked so hard, risked their lives kept their families safe by staying away. Give them what they deserve. You would be giving people probably about about 50 grand each. But I do like the idea. Perverse the country, but I do like the idea. And you have to have sympathy for someone like that uh, who thinks, and there's many people think that extra pay without tax should be given to those who worked on the front line over the last 12 or 18 months. Now, on the subject of books, and I was talking yesterday to uh, Catherine, it was an interview recorded a week or two ago, Catherine Ryan Howard, and we had a question come in, PJ, what was the name of the author of the book 56 Days? That was uh, Catherine Ryan Howard. Enjoy the book when you get it, Noreen. 1850-715-996. And speaking of books, the School Library Fund is something that was done away with in a budget in 2008. I think it was part of that massive austerity that we had to bring upon ourselves back then. 
or the government saw fit to bring upon us rather than we had to bring upon ourselves, I guess a better way to put it, that was visited upon us in 2008, 2009, 2010 was the uh, austerity. And, of course, it was never brought back. Now Children's Books Ireland wants to bring it back. And they want to bring it back for a particular reason, and that is to give every child the right to read. And the right of every child to be a reader. And if I've spoken once on this programme about the gift of reading being one of the greatest things you can give a child, this uh, is, is, is straight in, straight into uh, a high level of importance. Elena, good morning. Elena Ryan is CEO of Children's Books Ireland. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. The joy of reading for a child, you cannot overestimate it. You really can't. And, you know, we're we're an arts organisation and we are all about reading for pleasure, for the love of it, for the escape from whatever might be going on in a child's life. Uh, the, you know, there, there are so many benefits that come with reading on top of that. So the knock on on literacy, numeracy, vocabulary, well-being is, is a huge thing. Children who read for pleasure have higher levels of mental well-being than those who don't. And, you know, there's been a huge level of research done on this. So the OECD has come out and said students who are highly engaged in reading have higher reading literacy scores that are above the international mean, whatever their family background. So we know whatever a child's socioeconomic background is, whatever their parents' level of education, if they read for pleasure, that's the most important predictor of how they'll get on later in life. Now, back in the day when budgets were being cut right, left and centre, it was one of the ones that kind of didn't get noticed except by those directly involved. But it was a particularly mean cut because it was a very small amount of money. Yeah, it flew very much under the radar. The The grant at the time that came from the Department of Education and Skills, as it was, was 2.2 million in cash. And it was buoyed up by the public libraries who provided staff and logistics to get books to the schools. So kind of match funding through that department. And really, it was four euro fifty two per primary school pupil, which would buy you about half a book per head. And so we're calling for that grant to be reinstated this year. I think now is the time children have had such a hard time through the pandemic. They have missed out on so much through school. And and really, it's about well-being. It's about representation in the classroom. It's about giving children modern books to read. And we're calling for 10 euro a head, which would be 5.68 million in budget 2022. Mm. Now, also as well, I think reading and and being able to buy books for for a primary school class library the little box or shelf down the back with the books in it you can help children to learn about the new ireland in which they're growing up if you can buy buy books for them for the class Absolutely. And so in the absence of funding, Children's Books Ireland runs a book gifting scheme. So we ask children, we ask schools, I should say, to apply to us and tell us why they need books. And we we do a public call. It's open now. You can go to childrensbooksireland.ie if you're in a school and apply for one of our libraries. And last year, when we put this open call out, we got nearly 400 applications. Now, we we started out with four libraries to give. So that was a 1% success rate. And we managed to fundraise. And with the help of the Ireland funds and other donors, we got it up to 18. But we're still saying no to 95% of people. But those 400 applications gave us a really clear picture of the needs of schools and what came back very often is that the books are old, they're dated and they're not representative of the children that are in that classroom. So there might be 
you know, no child of colour, no differently able child, no child that's coming from a different religious background or who maybe has two mammies rather than mammy and daddy or comes from a single parent family. If you're still reading you know, books that were published 30 years ago and have been through 20 odd years of students in the school and are fairly dog-eared and tatty, you know, A, you're not going to mm. make a child feel welcome. And they, your they previous guest their, talking about not time, feeling welcome. Of course, but they don't reflect the Ireland in which our children are growing up now. Absolutely. And they should be part of a mix. You know, if you're reading historical fiction about the famine, that's fantastic. And children will really enjoy reading about our history, but they should also be able to see themselves in a book if if there is a, a child who feels they're missing from those stories. And they should be able to develop that sense of empathy and put themselves into somebody else's shoes and, you know, explore different lived realities, different countries, different, you know, different Irishnesses, if you want to put it that way, um, and to feel that they are represented in a book. So the, this campaign, our, our Right to be a Reader campaign, calling on the Minister for Education to bring back this fund, also ties in with the campaign we're launching this week called Free to Be Me. Mm-hmm. And we're putting out a diversity, inclusion and representation reading guide with 368 book reviews of brilliant, brilliant books that feature all kinds of families, all kinds of diversities, all kinds of abilities, religion. We've, we've looked to the Equal Status Acts and the protected characteristics within them to try to help every child feel mm. seen within this guide. Mind you, children are better at integration and inclusion than we are. They can teach us. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I, their voices are so important. And these are conversations that should be had. And I think often what we hear from teachers is that they sometimes don't know how to approach these conversations. And likewise with parents who want children to be aware of different realities. But it feels sometimes like an uncomfortable conversation. And for us at Children's Books Ireland, we always think these big conversations. And for me as a parent, I always think these big conversations are approached best through a book where you can see a story play out and then have a conversation about why a character did something or said something or felt something. So we've put together a primary school and a secondary school resource pack as well with activities and ways of approaching the book and questions that might start off that conversation to support the adults in children's lives who can make that difference. You also have to consider, I mean, a parent wants a child to learn to read. It's one of the things we all want our children to learn to do. But if the books they are reading were written for different times, shall we say, the values contained Mm -hmm. in those books are not the values we would be teaching our children now. That worries parents. So where do we get books that reflect modern thinking, modern understanding of our country? Yes, exactly. You're just right. And the books that we have reviewed in Free to Be Me in this reading guide are from this year and the previous four years. So they're they're modern, they're relevant. We know that the publishers who are putting them out there are doing their due diligence. There may have been sensitivity readers involved. There are often panels put together to sense check things. Mm. Um, and what we've put together as well is a a database of accessible formats because we recognise that children read in different ways. You know, there may be a a visual impairment. English may not be the first language of the home or indeed Irish. So we've put together a database of languages that these books are available in. I would always say turn to your public library. They have so much available um, e-books and audio books as well as physical hard copies. Um, You can now order a library book from anywhere in the country. So if you go into your public library in Cork and they don't have what you're looking for, they can order it from some other library authority around Ireland free of charge. So it's getting easier 
to get free access to books, which really makes it universal and makes it open to everybody. Is it still, do you think, Elena, the wonderful hobby, the wonderful pastime that you and I learned it? I mean, at, at the moment, I'm for some reason, I've given up on television. I'll come back to television again in a week <laughs> or two. But I'm doing nothing but read at night now. I'm just going through a reading phase. And I'm Fantastic. Just, you know, and, and the joy of it. Um, and yeah. it's so important to pass that on to children. Do you think that they are picking it up as a hobby? I think it depends on what's at home. You know, you can't speak for for every child in the same breath, but I think where parents read at home or or carers read at home and there are books in the house, whether those are library books, borrowed books, you know, books that are bought in a bookshop, it doesn't matter. If there are books around, children will see it as a brilliant pastime. And I think the beauty of it is finding something that resonates with them. So no more than you or I, sometimes people go through a reading rut and they just can't find the thing that they want to read. And, you know, maybe it's a short novella to give you a sense of achievement. You've got one book down or Mm. maybe it's a bit of poetry or maybe you're into nonfiction and you've been trying to slog through a big old novel. You know, children are as individual as we are. So it's about having that choice. And that's a lot of what this school library campaign is about. If a child has got raggedy old novels down the back of the class, as you say, in a box, it's not the most appealing. Whereas if you consider a library of a few hundred or a few thousand books, ideally, you know, they have that choice and they're bright and colourful and appealing. And if they're a kid who's into sports, you get a book about sports. You know, you've got all the, the rugby flyers by Ger Siggins. You have nonfiction about athletes like Sonia O'Sullivan. Uh, you know, there are so many so things much, out there. So, so much, so much out there. And people can look at your website, Children's Books Ireland, uh, to find out more. That is Elena Ryan, CEO of Children's Books Ireland. Anyone mentioned the postal workers as frontline? They're forgotten about. I actually did. I did actually mention the postal workers. I did remember them. Every time I leave somebody out, it's not intentional. It's just such a long, 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 long list. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.